God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Child. Listen, girl, child, come on. Y'all don't even understand the struggle of getting this podcast going. I have been on Facebook Live at least four times trying to just make things happen. And Facebook has been working for the devil. But that's all right because the delegation has Instagram. What's up, delegation? Make some noise in this Delegation. The delegation is commenting. The delegation is here. They are with us. And we have things to talk about, okay? First of all, what we need to know is are you minding your business? Hallelujah, holler back. Clearly. The first thing we need to understand is if you're minding your business. Minding your business is what God wants us to do in every season of our life. When you mind your business, things just happen. They just flourish for you, okay? It's a journey. Is tuning in from Chicago. She's finally able to catch the live. There are some people, Dr. Anita, who have told me repeatedly, I do not have Facebook. Can you please go on live on Instagram? And look at how the Lord worked so it out. So here we are. Look, look at that. Pushed you on over he here. Worked Look at that. it here. out. Okay. So we um, we're minding our business. We're drinking our water. And we're getting ready for this podcast. Dr. Anita, thank you for being on this podcast with us. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to hang out with you in the delegation today. Yes. Okay. So for those of you who are Mm -hmm. watching for the first time because you don't listen to the podcast and you don't have a Facebook, once a week, I get together with some of my homies from literally all over the world. And we just talk about the things that are happening in the world. Okay. We try to mind our business throughout the week. We try to drink our water. We try to work out. But once a week, this is our opportunity to get (laughs) together and not mind our business and say, sis, did you hear about what was happening on the shade room? Sis, did you see what was going on in the news? But most importantly, sis, what's going on with you? We inspire one another. We love on one another. And then we go back into our world and we win and we evolve until we get back together. And so this week I have my dear friend, Dr. Anita joining us. And we have so many things. Dr. Anita, are you drinking your water? I am drinking my water. Are you minding all of your business? I've, I've been minding my business. About, I'm about to mind some other people's business when we start reading these Listen, questions. Listen, <laughs> and boy, do we have some questions. If you're watching on Instagram yeah. Live and you want to be included in some of the advice, shoot us a line while you're on here. Let us know how we can help serve you while we are doing this podcast. You know, as for me, I've had a very interesting weekend. I woke up Friday morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. So I posted about this a little bit earlier, and I just wanted to address it on the podcast with the delegation. So this weekend, I was scheduled to be in Richmond, Virginia on Saturday. I woke up Friday at 5 o'clock in the morning because I live on the West Coast, and it was going to take a series of flights for us to get to Richmond. And 
I just had this decision to make, Dr. Anita, because I was laying in my bed literally with my eyes open looking at the ceiling, and I was just thinking about what it was going to require for me to get on the plane, to go and speak, to get on a plane after that, to go to another city, and then finally make it to L.A., and I could not pull from that version of myself that can make that mm-hmm. thing happen. Like, there's a version of me. Come on, delegation. There's a version mm-hmm. of me that I can pull from, and I can be like, you know what? I am going to get up. I'm going beast mode. I don't care if I'm tired. I don't care what's happening in my life. I don't care what's falling apart. I'm going to get up, and I'm just going to go and do whatever it is I need to do. But I could not find her. And I think the best way to explain it is, like, I just felt fragile like I just told my husband like, yeah. I feel fragile like I don't feel like I can do it and um, mm-hmm. you know I text Christine Kane who was so incredible and gracious and me just explaining to myself that I I just explaining to her rather that I didn't have it but I've never felt that way before what is that Dr. Anita has been mm. trying to therapy me through this what is that that I felt <laughs> you know sometimes we are just literally on E and it's not our bodies it's our heart and our minds You people don't realize what it takes to pour out to thousands of people the way that you do it's real it's not and so you you woke up empty I did I woke up and empty. sometimes sometimes we get empty yep you woke up empty and there's nothing to pour from at that point and you can damage yourself just like if you keep on running until your car runs out of gas or runs out of oil and the engine runs too hot and blows, we can damage ourselves if we try and run past that kind of stop point. And I really felt like I was on my way to that. And something I posted on my page, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to be one of those pastors that has to drink or drug or cover up. Because if you run while you're on empty, you, you're you empty, you're still empty and you need something yeah. to fill you. And I've seen some, I've been in ministry, I've been in mm-hmm. a ministry household my whole life. So I have seen so many different Mm -hmm. ministers who end up in this position where they're doing things that are, you know, a contradiction to what they're preaching because they didn't take a minute to say, hey, I'm empty and I need something. And Mm -hmm. I just didn't, I didn't want to do, I felt like if I would have pushed myself and done it, that I would have taught myself a lesson Mm -hmm. that would have been hard to undo, which is like, you can push past your emptiness and minister. And I just, I don't, I felt like that was unhealthy healthy it does it opens the door for negative things a righteous healthy refill takes a little time Mm. all the other things that refill you fast that drugs that alcohol the lies you tell yourself the wrong relationships we lean on the things that you do that give you a quick quick boost are usually not the healthiest things so we have to slow down and take the time to refill which is what you chose to do i did and let me tell you i felt a lot of guilt and shame about taking that time Mm. off Which is something else Mm -hmm. I had to work through. There was a part of me that felt like proud of myself. Like you can draw the line and make a decision that takes care of your mental health and your emotional health. Because the only reason why I don't want to work is like if I'm running a fever. If I'm not running a fever, I pretty much feel like I can do it. I got this. I mean, and that's in any. Mm -hmm. I mean, I preached with a pinched nerve a couple weeks ago because I'm like, listen, if it's not killing me, then I'm fine. But that I never Mm -hmm. felt so fragile. But I still. So Saturday, you know, I was home. I was cleaning. 
reading. I was spending time with Ella. I was just kind of soaking up my world and my life. But uh, I mm-hmm. had to really struggle with guilt and shame. Like I was telling one of my friends, like I couldn't even read my Bible. Like usually I read my Bible at night, but I felt like I had like disappointed God by not standing in mm. my purpose and doing what he's called me to do. And so in the process of just like prayer and stuff, I came to this place where I realized that I had made my relationship with God about performance when I was younger, which means if I perform badly, then I lost access to God and making it about performance, even when doing purpose, like as long as I'm in purpose, mm-hmm. then God is pleased with me. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that he loved me just as much as when I was struggling as a teenager, as he does as I am now yeah. a woman. And so to make it about performance, whether it's good or bad, is a disservice to who God is, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He loves us for no reason at all. Yeah. And sometimes we really need to lean into that and see what it feels like to be loved for no reason at all. Mm. And a lot of times we are offering God what matters most to us. And we can get like Cain. Cain wanted to bring the fruit of his ground. Cain wanted to bring something that he made, something that was important to him, to God. Whereas his brother was bringing the lamb, something that God made, he was giving back. A lot of times we want to bring to God what's important to us. So to you, work and, and, and productivity and all that's important to you. And so that's your best gift to God. But it doesn't mean that God loves you based on what you're giving him. Well, listen. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do now. I didn't Saturday. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I feel like I did what I needed to do for my seriously yeah. for my mental health, and I wanted to post mm-hmm. about it and share about it. I didn't want to just like brush over it because it was important to me that I shared that with other people. Yeah. Like sometimes. Your mental and emotional health requires that you take a minute just as you would do for your physical health and say, I'm not yep. I'm not 100 percent. I'm not 100 mm-hmm. percent. So, yes, I don't feel as fragile. Maybe I do. I think I still feel as fragile as I did on Saturday, but I feel more aware of my mm-hmm. fragility and sensitive to creating an mm-hmm. environment that doesn't make me, you know, feel like I'm going to shatter. Understood. Can we just take a pause to send a shout out to Christine Kane? Yes. For her graciousness and for being the kind of woman of God who sees people yeah. and isn't just worried about a production and, and what she has on her schedule. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, and I, you know, yeah. I reached out to her and I was like, I'll reimburse anything, you know, my flight or whatever, hotel, you know, because I, I know that there's also an element of investment that went into me coming. Right. And so I like she gave her everything at one time. This is how I feel. I'm so sorry. I love you as a mentor, as a woman in faith. Like, I really want to be there for you. And I told her, I will submit to your leadership on this. This is how I feel. But you've been in ministry longer than I have. You could tell me, hey, listen, push through. You'll be all right. And I will literally do Mm -hmm. that because I trust your experience. And she said, I care about you, not what you do. Take all the time you need. Her husband called my husband. Like, we can book her a massage. We can get you guys out of there. Like, you tell us what you all need. So. Yeah, Aww. so that was dope. That was really, really dope for That's me. Awesome. So I have been minding That's my awesome. business in a major, <laughs> in a major way. But I'm taking a break from minding my business for our podcast because, listen, the Saints need to know. Shawnee J. Robinson says, "I love Auntie Christine. I do too." I am Tripp's mom. Mm-hmm. Says you're describing my current feelings. You're feeding me what I needed to hear at this moment. Yes. Okay. So listen, we have the delegation has questions. Okay. All right, let's go questions. And I'm going to read some of the questions. Delegation, as you're watching, if you have a question that you'd like our insight and perspective on, make sure that you hit us up and let us know how we can help you. I'm going to read the first question, and it says... 
Hey, my big sis in my head, I've been listening to the podcast since season two and have been able to benefit from the advice you've given others, but today I need some personal advice. She says, I've been in a relationship with a guy on and off since the beginning of 2018. The times we've been off were due to me needing time to really see God about whether or not we are meant to be together. I would cut that process short because of missing one another and trying to make things work. The only major issue in their relationship is his relationship with God. He grew up Catholic, so his perspective on Christianity is based around that. Through separation and praying on his behalf, he's shown more interest in learning what it means to have a relationship with God versus being governed by a set of rules. With this shift that is happening, I've convinced myself that maybe he is in fact who God has for me and have committed to praying and fasting about us. He's done the same. Prior to Prior to telling my mom about what was going on, she called me to tell me about a dream she had in which God revealed someone I was with as being a counterfeit. However, there was someone else in the dream, a male friend of mine, who was in the background the whole time. She has only met this friend once, but was positive that it was him. She wasn't sure what his significance in the dream was, but asked him if he ever was interested in pursuing me. I told her that things naturally progress into a great friendship. Oh, wait. I told her that when we initially met, he attempted to, but I wasn't and still am not attracted to him. So things naturally progressed into a great friendship. I asked my mom to join me in praying and fasting. And on Sunday, he texted my best friend to let her know that he was in fact interested in me and wanting to pursue Hmm. something with me. This, amongst many other things, are confirmation that this may be who God has for me. Only problem is that I love and want to build a future with the other guy. I'm devastated because even though I've been praying for God to reveal to me who he has for me, I never stop to think, what if who he has for me is someone I don't want? My friend is great. His relationship Mm. with God is solid and growing and has done a lot of inner work since I met him in 2017, but he can't be it, at least not for me. I don't want to end things with the other guy because we've already started talking about future plans, but I can't help but shake the idea that my friend is who I'm supposed to be with. What should I do? Sis, I think you should be by yourself. <laughs> um, but I want Dr. Anita to answer. <laughs> I was about to open up a word doc to start taking some notes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this question was, I mean, it's beautiful. I feel like we have all of the information yeah. that we need. All of the information that we need, and hallelujah, holla back. What you, wh- All right, so sounds like on the friend side, this I think I'm hearing that the spiritual stuff is intact. Mm-hmm. They they have a more similar faith background, but she's not attracted to her to her friend. Right, and the other guy so, has like developed spiritually too. So he like he was like, mm-hmm. listen, all right, let's talk about this God thing, and now he's where he needs to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she said they're both fasting and praying about it. The only thing that I hear her saying is holding them back was the difference in their spirituality. Mm -hmm. It sounds like they're clicking in every other way. Um, I would encourage them to do two things. One, get into the same church. So I have definitely known some couples um, where the man came in Catholic and the woman was more like a charismatic, denominational kind of Christian. Um, My first question is always, are they practicing Catholics? Mm-hmm. Were they raised Catholic or are they actually practicing? Like they go to mass every sun, every Saturday. They're really involved in it there and it's influencing how they live their lives. So that's a question. Um, and if it is, you guys do want to bridge the gap. I would encourage them to make sure they're worshiping together somewhere. Okay. 
Have they found a house of worship that works for both of them? But but see, but sis, okay, but she likes she, her mm-hmm. and will do good. But the friend, she's got this friend who's been her friend a long time, and he called. She was praying, and she was like, "God, who am I supposed to be with?" And now the friend then popped up, and the mama said that she got a counterfeit in her life. I know it's a long question. Her and her and Ke- no, no, no. I hear all of that. <laughs> I'm starting with. I was just starting a relationship that she's actually in, right, right, which is the gentleman who's Catholic. But then we got the guy popping right. up we got the yeah, dream right. we got the saying so you know you know that i work from the ground right 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 mm-hmm. so i heard her say she's not attracted to this friend right mm-hmm. and i don't believe we should marry people to whom we are not attracted Hallelujah. nobody else have to be attracted to them nobody else have to think no they look good or nothing else but i don't think we should marry people to whom we have no attraction because the holy ghost is not going to help you at 12 at 12 at night in the bed Hallelujah. the holy ghost can't the do it touch when the, the foot, foot touch the holy and ghost the can't do it the and leg, yeah and right then and now then you, what and you gonna you do you hanging off the edge of the bed don't with touch your eyes me. closed. Talking about don't, you know, don't touch right. me. Mm-hmm. Or you you reaching into that mind, coming up with some other mental images trying to help right. you. And you definitely don't want to do that. And that's not that's good because now y'all are not in the bed alone. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that we step over attraction to marry someone just for um, spiritual reasons or a dream or anything else. If she's not attracted to him, to him that's not how that, that just doesn't work for me yeah so she's not so we we put him on the shelf good friend love you yeah. to death god bless you hallelujah mm-hmm. now what about so the mm-hmm. other guy who she's kind of building this relationship but what if mama said mama said that the other guy could be a counterfeit well you know first thessalonians 5 the oh. spies not prophesying prove all things so we need to wait for some proof now here's a concern i do have are you not deep in it enough with the guy you're in a relationship to to not even be distracted by somebody else because i'm thinking like when me and my husband were dating if somebody had to come along and say well what about this other guy i wouldn't have been able to see anybody else i was blinded to the world except for that Mm -hmm. man so, so I can't even imagine that I would consider another person right. while I was in my the relationship when I was dating my husband. So the fact that she even has that kind of opening concerns me a little bit about her connection with the man she's in a relationship with. Does that make it sense? It does make sense. That's why I think she should be by herself because it's like I a think lot, she might need a minute. It's a lot swirling. It's a it's lot. It's a lot yeah, going like on. I, and you don't yeah. need, I mean, you can ask people to pray for you about your relationships and stuff, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know that we need to be praying while we're in a relationship with someone. Is this the right person I'm supposed to be in? And then someone else. Right. Can, or is this the right? other person? I think you need to be with you. And sometimes that's, sometimes we're mm-hmm. asking God whether or not we should be with a person and the truth is we need to be by ourselves. I think you I think you're on it the, there, especially since she's saying they've broken up a few times but they only come back because they miss each other. Yes. Not because you have new information or you had a reason to change your mind, just your emotions got the better and of you. And you said something back. about this on again off again business. Yeah, it it just usually doesn't lend to a stable foundation Um, in the long run. It doesn't. So I'm agreeing with you that it sounds like she may need some time by herself. Ebony Nettles um, says, absolutely, she needs to be okay being single. And Wise Delon says, Mm -hmm. Sarah, you get me through all my days. I wish you only knew how much. Uh Praise the Lord. Thank you, saints. Feisty says, period. And a beautiful nightmare says, amen. Like she is evidently confused about what it is she actually wants in a relationship if she is by herself. She knows exactly yeah. what she wants and nothing can change that. Yes. Yes, yeah, sis. I think, sis, we want to encourage you here at the delegation to just take some time to yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about 
anything else but you right now. Mm -hmm. And then God is Mm -hmm. going to bring someone into your life. If that is his will and you are ready, he's going to say, you know what? Here's someone you're attracted to who has Mm -hmm. similar core values as you do. You won't have to compromise or they're Mm -hmm. uh, working Mm -hmm. towards those core values. There just won't be any confusion. But I think you should be by yourself for a little bit. And I think the delegation agrees. Dr. Nita, you agree? I do agree. I do agree. But I would like to encourage people who are listening, who are in a situation where they're with someone whose Mm -hmm. Christian faith is coming kind of from a different direction or denomination. If you guys can't find a place to worship together and grow in the same place, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. Because you don't want to marry someone where you're going to be going to church X and they're going to be going to church Y six blocks down the street. And the churches are of such, they're so different qualitatively, whether it's doctrine, denomination, mm-hmm. Catholicism, Pentecostal, that you wouldn't be able to bring your family together under one roof to worship. Yeah. That, that would be a concern. So if no point in dating, you could see yourselves attending each other's church, then that's something you need to talk about. For sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next advice question. It says, hey, sis, I'm sliding in the WEDM, that's Woman Evolve, DM, seeking Mm -hmm. some advice this week. I'm hoping you are able to help me out. I grew up in a single parent home with my mom and two older brothers. I moved away for college and found Jesus and my life has forever been changed for the better. Since being saved in college, I have been actively involved in church. My oldest brother, whom I've always viewed as a father figure, has within the last couple of years been challenging my faith. He had a bad experience when trying to seek God for himself at a church my family would attend from time to time. Now he sends me videos and things to read that discredits the Bible and is constantly saying that everything in the Bible is made up in Mm. fiction. As a result, I've lost respect for him because he does not respect my beliefs. How do you suggest I handle this so I can still have a relationship with my brother, whom I love, and keep my faith and sanity? Love the delegation and being a part of it. We love you, too. What do you think, Dr. Anita? So she, this person was a, was walking in a similar faith, but now they have rejected Yeah, her it. brother. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's your family. So, of course, you want to continue to walk in love with your family because if you cut them off, um, how might you ever have the opportunity to be a witness again, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I think it's okay to draw boundaries in terms of if we're, if we're talking about this to make sure that we are doing it respectfully. And if we can't do it, then we can stay off the topic. Yeah. Because um, it, def- it definitely never pays to get into an arm wrestling match with anybody about your faith. It, it doesn't ever go anywhere good. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. your faith is your personal decision. And mm-hmm. as family, my father said once that family is love's gymnasium. It's how you learn to love people who aren't exactly <laughs> like you. And so I think Ooh, to your point, you know, us being able to say, okay, we can't talk about that. I have some family members where I'm like, we don't, we don't do each other in this area we can sit Mm -hmm. beside each other thanksgiving we can play dominoes we can play spades we never have to talk about business you don't have to borrow no money from me like whatever that is you just know where those boundaries are and your faith is something that's important Mm -hmm. to you it's in development and i suggest that you hold that sacred to you and only expose it to Mm -hmm. those who can help edify it and not make you um lose something that is valuable to you absolutely Boundaries. Corner Sutherland says, got to keep family close, even if they don't see your perception on things. Close. Let's talk about that real quick, doctor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's let's talk about this notion of keeping family close. I do agree with the overall 
thing that he says about keeping family close, even if you guys don't totally agree. But sometimes there are mm-hmm. serious disagreements in family, serious areas of sure. concern. How do you handle having these disagreements with family members who you, mm-hmm. you know, society would suggest that we got to be close. We got to stick together. But there's distrust. There's hurt. There's betrayal, maybe repeated moments of that. What do you do with yeah, that? Yeah, Toxic relationships. Right. Sure. Um, There's a family style um, in psychology that we call an enmeshed family. Mm. And that means that close has become way too close. Um, In these families, there is a high demand for loyalty to everyone in the family. There's usually a kind of a control figure at the head. It could be mom or it could be dad. Often it's mom. Um, And everyone must kind of worship at the altar of that person Mm. so you never say you never say no to them people sometimes don't move far away um there's often rescue behavior going on somebody's in trouble now everybody has to rescue joe then everybody has to rescue sue you never say no lend them money let them stay at your house there's no behavior that would cause you to put a boundary so these relations these family relationships are often boundaryless and then someone doesn't fall in line they're made to feel guilty so we call this an enmeshed family. That's that's not a healthy closeness. And when you grow up in it, you often don't recognize how toxic it is um, until you're able to step outside and maybe in a moment like this, hear somebody say this is actually not a healthy version of family. And so I don't I think we do need to be careful when we say everybody needs to remain close because are those close relationships producing good fruit in everyone's wow. lives or is it just this endless spiral of obligation and argumentation and everybody has to do it a certain way, it can become very dangerous and it can be toxic. And some people are suffering um, with their mental health because they're not able to um, handle being in this environment without feeling smothered, without um, feeling guilty or obligated. It can be a really dangerous thing to not be able to draw some lines in your own family, especially for adult children Mm -hmm. who now have their own families. And if it seems like that head figure of the family, and unfortunately often it's the mom, Um, doesn't really respect the fact that now you're an adult with your own children Mm. um, and that you have new family traditions. So everyone has to come to mom's house for Christmas, even though you might want to do Christmas at your house with your your new spouse and your new children, but feel guilty when you can't. So there's there's some control that goes in with it and um, the belief that no one can really do anything wrong enough for you to make some space. And that's just not true. Yeah. And I think that there are just degrees of boundaries. So I think when you talk about Mm -hmm. that enmeshed family, like maybe you can do holidays. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are some families Mm -hmm. that are so enmeshed and so toxic that even doing holidays is challenging. But I think you have to really Mm -hmm. know that there. it's not like all or nothing, because sometimes with family, we feel like, you know, I'm either there in that enmeshment that can be toxic or I have nothing at all. And the truth is that boundaries doesn't mean that it has to be cut off. It just means that it has to be maintained maintain and navigated with wisdom. And so mm-hmm. I think first understanding and yeah. like Dr. Need is actually a doctor. I'm just talking so you can correct anything I say. But I think like understanding what happens to you when you're in that relationship and what boundaries you need in order to move forward. So like I said, maybe mm-hmm. we can't talk about certain subjects. Maybe I can't be over there every single night. I can handle visits every mm-hmm. two weeks or we can text and, you know, you have to right. determine what works for you maintaining your mental health. Absolutely. I said, when we say boundaries, that's not walls. Boundaries are not Mm -hmm. walls. So I'm not encouraging people to build walls. But um, sometimes when people hear the word boundaries, they do think that that kind of hardcore. We're not building a wall, but we know what's healthy. What's a healthy? 
what's a healthy distance for us? Yeah. So sorry, my phone is ringing. Fix Naomi that. says, "Wow, I always okay. feel guilty when Am I, I still here." Okay, good. there you are. Naomi says, "Wow, I always feel guilty when I put myself over my family." Mm-hmm. This really has me thinking. Shantae says, "Chiller sometimes mm, you yeah. chat." Yeah, <laughs> it's, I think it's good. But says, "Chat sometimes you have to love your family with a long handle spoon." Boundaries are not walls. It sounds like that is definitely resonating. <laughs> yeah, with that. People. Th- Yeah, that guilt, that experience of guilt um, is a real red flag. Mm -hmm. If I decide, hey, I'm going to, you know, go do this thing and I'm and not necessarily bring my family or I'm going to make a plan that's different than my family. And I feel so guilty about it. The guilt is a red flag that the relationship may not be the healthy kind of close and that we need to reshape that. So do you have to have a discussion with them like, oh, we don't have a healthy relationship. And so I'm pulling back. (laughs) 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 Woo. You know, that really you have to play it by ear. Sometimes um, there's an o- there's an opening for that. Sometimes there's not. It really just depends on the family. Um, sometimes certain generations, definitely it would be hard to say that to them because you may get the, well, I'm your mother and I'm, I, my whole life has been about taking care of you. Mm. What do you mean? And it's just you got to be careful. I say you inch back a little um, at a time to what's healthy for you, but also just challenge yourself on whether you're making decisions based on guilt yeah and then start to choose to make some distance and that goes to learning how to say no and a lot of people are bad at that Mm. Um, not just in their families but in their social circles at work um, really dealing with that issue of guilt but if the family piles on guilt for you um, sometimes deviating from their plan um, you should check that because guilt is a red flag absolutely and I think really before having a conversation, if you decide to take that route where you're like having a conversation, mm-hmm. that you have to make sure that you're not having a conversation out of permission. Because sometimes we have those conversations because we're low-key trying to get someone to change or we low-key want someone to release mm-hmm. us, which is why you need to kind of mm-hmm. practice the distance before having the conversation so that when you have the conversation, Agreed. you can maintain that distance you already set in motion. Good stuff. Okay, so our next advice question says... Hey, big sis, I hope you get this. So I used to be a major party girl, like from 17 until my early 20s. I was wild, wild. During that time, I heard a lot of people, Mm -hmm. including former boyfriends and friends. Once God brought me out of my mess, I went on an apology train. Most people, to my surprise, actually forgave me. But one person in particular, the damage I caused because I wasn't a great friend can never be repaired. And although she forgave me, she wants nothing to do with me. And I can't blame her because I know my sorry can never be enough. My question to you is how Mm. do you move past knowing that you were the villain in someone's story and still feel like you are worthy of God's grace? You know, she took the words right out of my mouth. I was about to say many of us are the villain in someone else's story Mm -hmm. and we can't control how that person feels, processes or what they want. It's really about um, allowing them to um, have their narrative and keep them in your prayers, even though you may never have the relationship that you would like to have with them, that's you just have to walk on. And that's what they're asking you to do. They're asking you to give them your absence um, as a way to, mm. uh, to repent. So do that. 
She said something. Um, she said that the person forgave me, but she doesn't want anything to do with me. And I feel like if she forgave you, but doesn't want any forgiving you and going back into a relationship with you are two different things. And she can be in a place That's where she right. doesn't want to be in relationship with you. It seems like you got what you wanted. If your apology train was to just say, this is how I feel. I don't really need you to say anything back. I don't need you to be in relationship with me. Mm-hmm. I just want to clean the air. Then you can't have an expectation for that mm-hmm. person to then want to engage with you because that means your apology had a motive. I think the most pure apologies right. are the ones that don't have a motive. And so that even yeah. if that motive is so that I can be free and clear so that I can move on about my life, my apology is mm-hmm. my apology and my sentence or my consequence for my actions are a changed life, how I change my life from this mm-hmm. point forward. It's not contingent on whether or not you receive it, whether or not you accept it. That has nothing to do with my growth and ability to move on. And so I just want to challenge you a little bit on this notion of the apology, mm-hmm. having a motive and that person not, in, not wanting anything to do with you because those things should be separate. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. That was super well said. That was super well said. And and it's okay for her to go ahead and grieve that. Yeah. She's going to have maybe experience some grief in losing that relationship and not being able to repair it. But that grief is her process. She doesn't need to drag that person into it, trying to get them to deliver her from the grief of losing the relationship. Yeah. Jari underscore B mm-hmm. underscore says forgiveness is for our freedom. Leslie says, so good. What is your motive? What is your motive with the apology? You definitely yeah, have to good. ask yourself that question. Coach Ray Loving says she should just let her go until she's ready. Absolutely agree. And Miss mm-hmm. High Class says, this is a blessing. Thank you, ladies, for this. Glad you are enjoying it. Okay, so yeah. it seems like the delegation is all in agreement that, listen, forgiveness is a journey. It's something you have to do for yourself. And I think that one mm-hmm. of the things that you just have to know is that in your process, you may not be able to control someone else's process as they're may as they're processing what you've done but one thing for mm-hmm. sure is that you don't have to be the villain in your own story and I think us choosing to not be the villain in our own story is really making sure that we have a narrative about ourselves that is healthy to the growth that we want to see happening I think um, even when I think about things like getting in shape like for me getting in shape sometimes I'm the villain in my own story because I'm like <laughs> trying listen <laughs> okay i'm trying to oh, keep gosh. my life together i'm trying not to talk crazy about myself mm-hmm. in the process and not beat myself up and one of the things that's been really helpful for me in that process is noom i don't know if you've ever heard of that app before but noom is an app mm-hmm. for when it's time for you to get in shape and make a change to your habits but you haven't quite gotten the motivation you need so noom helps you in really helping you to create different habits noom is not just this get your life together, get your waist snatched and count your calories kind of app. It is a habit changing solution that helps other users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. It's based in psychology, which I know you love. (laughs) Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and arms you with the tools to break the bad habits and replace them with better ones. I love that Noom doesn't try to be your drill sergeant. If you have a hard day Mm. and fall off track, Noom gives you tips to help you get back on track and best of all 
You don't have to change everything in one day. Small steps make big progress. So you can sign up for your trial today at Noom. That's N-O-O-M dot com slash evolve. That's Noom dot com slash evolve. It is the last weight loss program you'll ever need. And you don't have anything to lose because you can start your free trial free trial today by using visit by using Noom dot com slash evolve. So you guys make sure you check that out if you are on a journey of making sure that you are not the villain of your own story. Take care of yourself, get your life together and make habit changes that change for a lifetime, not just a temporary diet. Okay. How All right now. That. Okay. You brought it. I t- that's what I'm going to do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Like, come on, that was smooth. Oh, come on, girl. You have no idea the struggle. Okay, listen. So we have another question. This is an, an advice only podcast. So we are just going to go through some of the questions that have come in from the delegation. If you guys have questions, you can slide into the Woman Evolve DMs or email us info at womanevolve.com so that we can help you get your life together. Okay, so this po- this question says, Child, I'm finally doing this. Hey, Sarah, first, I hope you're feeling better and getting well-needed rest. I am well on my way. Thank you for asking. Mm. She says, I need your help. I really feel as though I've been called to help empower and encourage women, and I'm excited about the vision God has given me. And I know with this journey comes transparency and vulnerability. I'm okay with that. But my question is, how vulnerable do I become? I ask this because I was diagnosed with herpes. And as one could imagine, the shame and embarrassment that comes with that. I'm getting better day by day with it. But I'm also wondering, is there a need to tell that part of my story? Because it's so much more of me to tell. This is a big part and helped shape me into the woman I am today, thanks to God. And I want God to get his glory. I'm torn between is this a stronghold or keeping some things private? I've prayed about it and I hear both. I'm fresh and new in building my relationship with God. So I'm still trying to hear his voice clear. Help. So, Monique, I'm going to pass this over to Dr. Anita in a minute, but I think one of the things that is important for any of us to know, so a lot of people know that I have shared my story, and in sharing my story, there are things that I could not share until I was at a place where I was whole enough and healed enough to share it and that I was telling it with a motive. So once again, like, what is my motive in telling my story? I told my story about being a teen mom and dropping out of college and waitressing at strip clubs. Like I told my story because I wanted it to help other people who had maybe not had life gone the way that they wanted it to go and found themselves in situations where their insecurities and pain were defining their identity. If you are at a place in your journey and you're uh, healing where you feel like I'm telling this story so that other people can heal and so that other people can evolve and recognize that I, I may look all together on the outside, but this is something that I've had to overcome. Keyword is overcome and how you overcame mm-hmm. it. I think a lot of times people tell their testimony for the sake of telling it, but they haven't really passed the test yet. And the test of still loving yourself, still knowing who God is mm-hmm. and still knowing your worth and your value in spite of what you've gone through. And so my question to you would be, have you passed that test? Has it become a testimony? And that's a question that only you can answer. What do you think, Dr. Anita? <laughs> <laughs> you hit it on the head, you know. You, you hit it. 
is really important. Like you said, to be speaking for, with a motive, with a lesson that you can share with other people, something that you've learned. And that's not the same. So transparency for that reason, is not the same as just keeping it real or spilling out what's going on in my life in this very moment. Yeah. Um, sometimes I say there's a difference between being transparent and being a stripper. Mm. You don't, you know, just need to be out here just getting naked about everything. And then suddenly when you realize it and you feel naked, that vulnerability right. can actually undermine your mental health because you weren't you were still in your process. Mm. And so I, I wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying. Um, you're just still working through it. That's not keeping it a secret. You're just working through yeah, it. Yeah. And you will know. Mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, they're like, how will I know when I should share X, Y and Z about myself? And I feel like when it happens kind of privately first, you kind of having a conversation with one or or, or someone's mm-hmm. communicating with you online like they were doing with me on my blog. And I wanted to, there was a part of mm-hmm. me that was like, I want to tell them that I had my baby at an early age so that they can see they're not the only one who's gone through something. And that was kind right. of when my testimony or my pain rather began to have purpose, you know? So mm-hmm. I think that that is a wooing of the Holy Spirit that you will feel when it's time. Soul Bell 504 yeah. says, oh, so true. Only release what we have released. Pretty confident says, wow. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Which is why I say when God releases me to share for sure. Yeah. The, and and if I can just throw a therapy plug please, in there. Can I throw a therapy please. plug in there? Particularly when you're, um, she's saying she wants to work with other women and help empower other women while she's working through some of her pain. I think that's a great place to insert a therapist in your life mm. who can help you process. Sometimes when we process our own own pain in our own head, we don't always come up out with the best conclusion. Wow. Our conclusion can be biased in, and we may have a biased conclusion about our pain, the type of conclusion that protects the things that protects us from the things that scare us. Um, we can't always see ourselves so clearly. And so we come up with these explanations that are not necessarily applicable to the general public and may actually be toxic. Wow. And so to have somebody to talk through, a spiritual mentor, but a therapist would be great to make sure that we really are coming to a, a healthy lesson in the end. So Because sometimes we are not coming to a healthy conclusion. This is a word that when we process yeah. things in our own heads, we come up with a biased opinion. And conclusions. Yeah, we really do. Wow. We really do. We really can. And so we need an outside voice to help us, especially if we're going to be talking about God, because then we can then project those faulty conclusions onto his character mm. and start talking about how he works in lives. And now we're misrepresenting him with all good intentions. Yeah. So it's it's good to process with somebody who can give you give you an objective way to look at it because you've been trapped in your own head for so long. Wow. It's an echo chamber. Jamie Washington says, Dr. Anita, (laughs) this is my word and I'm grabbing it. If that's your word, you better grab it. Get it, girl. Vessel of Honor 29 says, therapy has truly transformed me, my life in view of self. And Zen 2 Doc says, distortion is real. Need a therapist to help flesh that out. Indeed. All right. Listen, we are all for therapy here at the delegation. One of the things I plan on doing during my sabbatical um, when Dr. Anita is not therapying me is finding my own therapist (laughs) so that I can process things in my head. But until then, I just Mm -hmm. slide in Dr. Anita's text messages and I'm like, sis, listen, this is what's happening. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, our next question says, lately things have been going wrong. The mor- This morning I received a ticket while the other week I failed a test. From all types of things mm. with work and school, it's so much negative going on and it's easier to focus on that. How do you know when it's God protecting me from something ba- bad or Satan keeping me from something great? It's so hard seeing the silver lining at this point. What say you, Dr. Anita? Mm. 
Hmm. You know, sometimes I tend to interpret problems at the lowest level possible and then work my way mm. up. So I'll start with sometimes we just have phases in life where things just go wrong. You know, it rains on the just and the unjust. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just raining. Yeah. You know, and we don't need to spiritualize it or try to figure out if, you know, the devil, if you got a ticket, were you speaking? Uh, hallelujah. I, I mean, or <laughs> did you let the did you let the parking meter run out? You know what I mean? That sounds like a natural consequence to something. But sometimes we just go through things that are just it's just life. And it happens to save folks, unsaved folks and everybody in between. Um, but if we begin to have some spiritual questions about it, it's definitely something to pray about. We always in our prayers, not only are we asking God to protect us, asking God to help us, but we have to remember to tell the enemy where his line is, mm. too. Devil, you know, a lot of times we we don't turn with that with the power we have from the Holy Ghost to tell the devil what he's not going to yeah. do. So it's God, just God help me, Lord help me, Lord please, Lord rescue me. Sometimes it's just like, look, I'm a tither, mm-hmm. and so the Lord God rebuke yeah. you. You know, we got to get into what the Word says and make sure that we don't lose our sense of power in the Spirit mm-hmm. and become kind of scared beggars in our prayers. Does that make it sense? It definitely does. And I think the other thing is just remembering that that all things work together. I think there is something to take a minute and be like. God, am I mm-hmm. moving too fast? Did I miss something? Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, mm-hmm. whether it's Satan trying to get you or God trying to keep you back, to ask God for vision and strategy for my now. Like, God, I feel a little lost. I don't know if this is you. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the enemy. I don't know if it's depression or whatever. But I do feel like something is taking yeah. place in my head and in my mind. And I'm just asking that you would give me clarity and that you would give me vision. And I think sometimes we just need to slow down. When we start seeing that yeah. like uh, there are all of these different things going wrong, I think slowing down gives us the opportunity to also see mm-hmm. the things that are going right. So, okay, you got a ticket. Okay, you missed a test, but you also had some incredible things. You woke up this morning. Come on, somebody. You had a car yeah, to, to get a ticket mm-hmm. in. Somebody else doesn't have a car. So to kind of start shifting your focus, too, on the things that are going well, because if we start counting all of yeah. the things that are going wrong, we will have a never-ending list, but we will also have a never-ending list of things that are going well when we look at things that we should have gratitude. So when things start getting complicated and hard, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to shift your focus. And I think at the end of the day that the the war is over our mind and over our focus. And I think that whether the source, we don't know what the source is, but I think that we can discover the solution when we shift our focus from what's going wrong to what's going right and how we can play an active role and continuing to highlight those things that are going well. You done preached. Come on, somebody. Amen. Sam. Amen. Tech. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam Heinz, I don't know these Instagram names is that that you had a car to get a ticket in. I've been in that wave. Come on, somebody. Jania says, Chow, mm. you are all on my road, the mind not being under control. And Rackbar Nun says she sounds like she would benefit from gratitude chants. Hallelujah. I don't know any of those gratitude chants, but you can create your own gratitude chant. Okay. Dre says, Sarah, I wanted to bless you because watching you on YouTube. Oh, come on. Thank you for the blessings now. All right. Sounds like the delegation is in agreement, sis, that sometimes you just got to slow down and take a minute. And that can be challenging. Agreed. But it can also help you to zoom out of the picture. That's what I tell my husband sometimes. I just need to zoom out of the picture. Mm. I'm zoomed in on this Mm -hmm. one thing. And when I zoom out, I see all of the other things that are working. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other night, I had an event with the women at my church, and one of the things I shared with them was that you have to put boundaries on your battles. Mm. Sometimes we have battles, either they're little small battles throughout our life or maybe one big battle, and we allow that to seep into every area of our life, every area of our thinking. You know, this battle is happening in this part of my life. 
and that's where it stays. Yeah. But I'm not going to allow it to seep into the joy that I have in my time with my family. Right. I'm not going to allow it to steal sleep from me. We're going to think about it. We're going to pray about it. We're going to address it. And then we're going to stop. And then we're going to move on to something in my life that's not about right. it. Because a lot of times we just let it bleed into every area of your life. And then it starts to seem like all you're doing is fighting. Yeah. But we have to put some boundaries on our battles. And that's not healthy either. That's I think everything it's being not. a fight 24-7, like sis, everything can't everything healthy. can be a fight. You're gonna be exhausted and tired and weary. Yeah. And you are more than mm-hmm. a warrior. You know, you are more than just a warrior. And I think I don't know if it's Absolutely. just in the black community, maybe it's amongst women, but I can only speak from my perspective. It seems like we are prided on our ability to be warriors 24-7. Yeah. But I think that Absolutely. one of the things that I hope to inspire in women is the beauty of being vulnerable and transparent because it is just as powerful <laughs> as being a warrior, if not more powerful. Indeed. Agreed. Okay, so our next question says, good morning. I am so confused and frustrated. If I'm not supposed to be moved by feelings or outer appearance of a guy, then what am I supposed to be looking for? I told a friend that the guy is patient, kind, and respectful, but I don't trust or feel that he's the leader I need in my life. I told her that it's not his preference to wait for sex until marriage, even though he's being patient. She says, I'm the only one that's going to have to be strong. She says, I can't have his companionship for long and expect it to stay home. Holy, mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair because what if I fall? What if I have a weak moment? I always wanted a man that would strengthen me in Christ and want to keep me to help me keep my purity, but people in life are making it seem like I'm missing out on a good guy by not at least trying to date him. I won't know much about him by not actually dating him. He's made his intentions clear and we do have a good time together, but I just don't see myself dating him and truly respecting him. Is it because I'm not attracted to him? Is it because I'm not charmed? Am I just going to have to train myself to love, train myself, wow, to love and respect him as a Mm. boyfriend and potential husband? I'm so confused. I'm praying and I feel like I'm not hearing answers. I'm at a point where I want to shut out any counsel right now and just hear from God. But that can also be through people. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> I'm going to let you take the first round on that. Go ahead. Um, sis, I am joining you in your confusion because as I read mm-hmm. this question, I too became confused. And I want yeah. to encourage you, like I encourage my other sister, to just be by yourself until we have some clarity because right now I'm lost. I'm confused. I'm stressed out. I don't even know. I don't even know what's happening anymore. Your friend, I don't know about your friend. I don't know about any of the things that you said here. But one thing I do know for sure, like Dr. Anita said, is I don't think God has called you to be to someone you're not attracted to. And I hold... He has not... Called you for that. He hasn't called you to that. God didn't <laughs> say He said beauty's in the eye of the beholder. If you don't have any beauty to behold, then there's no beauty there for you to behold, girl. You can't train yourself, Hun. child. You don't want to train yourself. Now, come on now. Let's be real for a minute. Delegation is listening. Woman mm, Evolve is on here. Mm, you have tried to like someone you were not attracted to, and it never works. He's a good person. He's got a good job. You've tried. It just doesn't doesn't work because no matter how it good he works. is, you sit up there and you look at him and you like, 
you kind of ugly. Nothing's, nothing's <laughs> happening. Nothing, you know, the spark is low not key, there. Low key, you know? you're nice, but you're kind of ugly. And and you need to let him be with someone who sees him and just instantly just quickens in their spirit because they think he's so fine. If that's not you, let him go. Sometimes, as women of God, depending on our background and our history, we can start to see our sexuality as something separate from and maybe even antithetical to you our spirituality. You better talk walk. about sex and spirituality. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I lost my virginity very Me young. Too. I have I have very I have very little memory of sexual purity yeah. at all. I was exposed to pornography when I was seven. Mm. Older men were coming at me when I was a young girl. I lost my virginity at 14. I had a lot of mm-hmm. sex. My response to I was I was raped. My mm-hmm. response to that was to become promiscuous. Some people are raped or sexually abused and they kind of shut down. Or it's one or the other. I, I did the mm-hmm. other. Okay, so I had a lot going on. So when it was when I got gave my life to the Lord and I shut that down, you're really a lot of times we then try to swing in the opposite direction. So we're just spirit, 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 and we feel like if our body wakes up at, when we see somebody, that's bad because we're trying so hard to control that. But we got to bring all of that in with mm-hmm. us. When I sat down and told God who I would like to marry, my mom told me, ask the Lord what it is that you're looking for. I started with the physical. Mm. I said, what what color chocolate brown I was looking for. I talked about abs. Come I talked somebody. about biceps. Okay. I talked about stuff. I talked about, I said, and this was my prayer. I kid you not. <laughs> Father, I know that I'm supposed to have been a virgin and I shouldn't know what I know, mm-hmm. but I know. Mm. So I'm going to need some things. I'm going to need what I know to show up where I know. What I know. <laughs> I, I'm going to need what I know I like to de- debate. I, I'm going to okay, need so, what I know to show up where yeah, I need, I'm gonna need it to be. I'm going to need what I know I need, Jesus. And I said that in my prayer just as boldly as I said what kind of preacher I wanted him Hallelujah. to be. So we really have to make sure that we don't. For those of us who have sexual experiences before our marriage and before salvation, that we don't allow any kind of shame to be attached to that Mm -hmm. as we come before God and talk about what it is we want and need. So I prayed with equal fervor for this fine, sexy man. Who would preach the roof off of a yes. house? And he and I and I got and it all. Also, and I got and it all. also and also. Listen, I think that to your point though, we do try to like separate those things when they are. They're we too, do. They're too important to be separated, especially when you have already been exposed because. They like to make it seem like once you get married, that you should just forget what you've been exposed to. We try, but it's hard. Sis. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And and we don't, you know, sexual. Our sexual experiences have a spiritual dimension. What we need Say to more. Our sexual yes. experience. Our sexual experiences have a spiritual dimension. Mm-hmm. And so, because many of us were introduced to sex outside of the spiritual dimension, mm-hmm. then our prayer should be, Father, knit my pieces back together in such a way that every part of me and my mind is holy before yeah. you. Because it's, sometimes it's hard to lay down this thought that I've had so much unholy sex that I don't know how to, how does it get holy. It can be confusing. And so we think that we're not hearing God if we're looking at attraction. But And like and it's not supposed to holy does not have to be like boring and 
No, it mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it doesn't. And I just want to bind that spirit of making it seem like once you cross over into marriage, come on somebody that it's over after that, honey. It can just begin. And you just have to know on, that Jesus. like it doesn't matter what tradition says, it doesn't matter what you heard. Let me tell you, the streets have not been telling you the truth out here. And there is something beautiful about being with someone who shares every part of your belief, every part of your core value and every part of your spiritual pursuit and bringing that together into into the into the holies of holies bring the whole thing bring in all of here, it because listen if it can be good with someone who didn't have any of it now come on somebody they didn't have any of your values they didn't have any of your morals or any of your ethics and that was the one thing that y'all had going together imagine god giving you all of those things and guess what i believe god wants to give huh. you all. i know huh. him yeah. i know him to do come it in a Honda. Come in a Honda. <laughs> exceedingly and abundantly is what he wants for you in your life in every area yes. let's not put no limits on what god wants to see happen for you no limits no limits no Mm -hmm. limits it has to happen but seriously a lot of times we we just don't talk about the sexual brokenness of women Mm. we talk more about it i think when it comes to men but we don't talk about it as much and like what happens how are your how is your sexuality defined when you've had um these younger experiences when you if you've had a sexually abusive experience if you are a rape survivor if you just had sex before you got married whatever however it was introduced to your into your life how does that break you and sometimes when we've had traumatic experiences um our emotions and our sexuality get separated Mm. and that's why it seemed like we could have such good sex with somebody who we're not emotionally connected with but then find somebody we're emotionally connected with and and doesn't seem to have the sexual chemistry there may be healing to be done there because sometimes people who had no problem with sex when they were single they get married and then they have um difficulty with sex in their marriage because the emotional closeness actually seems to repel their sexuality because they haven't they were broken when they were younger so they're not connected Mm. and so we really that's an area of healing that many women need and we haven't been taught that we can pray about it that we can be in therapy to talk about it um, that we can be honest with our partners about it because the more open yes. we are, the more that emotional intimacy can establish it um, and build our own sexual traditions in our marriage, things that are new and, and perfect and work for us. But we, we sweep sexual brokenness under the rug when it comes to women. We act like women are never addicted to pornography. We act like women don't have affairs. Like we just don't talk about it enough. Yeah. And I think we need to talk about it I more. totally agree. I think what you said about even having that conversation with your spouse is really mm-hmm. important because it does create intimacy. Sometimes we'll be thinking within ourselves, like, I am struggling to connect and I don't know why, or maybe because I don't want to be close or emotionally, I just can't tap in. Mm-hmm. And sharing those experiences, even with my husband and I have been very, very helpful. And yeah. that's just understanding the sacrifice connected to our intimacy. Yeah. Because intimacy does have sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And when that person on the other end realizes it's it's costing me to give myself to you because I am insecure, mm-hmm. because I am unsure, because I've never been loved in this way mm-hmm. before and I'm afraid of it. It does create an environment of really um, worship, yeah. really, because yeah. at the end of the day, you two coming together is your form of worship Amen. within your marriage. Mm-hmm. And so you can't have worship without intimacy and intimacy doesn't have anything to do with whether not you're naked or not and everything to do with your soul and your spirit come on 
Okay. All right. Let's see what the delegation is saying. Uh, the delegation says, I'm in a stage where I am reading the word. It's hard for me to even think of intimacy with my husband. I am full of God Almighty. Mm. Well, what do you read? What part of the I don't word know, are you reading? but get over the Song of Solomon and let him feed him on the lilies, baby. <laughs> <laughs> full of the word of God. Come on, bless him. Somebody said, Yes, worship. Uh, Serious Style says, I, I can't tell what people's names say like on Facebook. So if I'm jacking your username up, guess what? This is what it is. Somebody says, what about this single lady struggling? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to let you speak to that, Pastor Sarah, just because I got married so young and, and I feel like I was I really don't have a lot of single personal experience to talk about. I got married at 22 and I'm still in here. Well, so. I think it's about having a revelation on like why you have chosen to set yourself apart. Like what is understanding your sexual brokenness to your point and why you're at a place where you don't want to repeat that sexual brokenness. So it's more to me than just like I'm doing it because the Bible says not to, though that's beautiful. I think you have to have a personal conviction about your journey, about who it is you want to be in the world, what kind of relationship you want to have, what you want your sexuality to look like. And that's what helps you in those moments where you're struggling is to remember your why. I -hmm. talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago, there was a 28-year-old girl who's still a virgin. And I'm like, y'all need to have like one night stand sleepovers where all of the girls who are trying to maintain their uh, sexual wholeness and are trying to understand who it is God has for them and what their life is supposed to look like. So they've cut off, you know, any sexual connections to really get together and talk about the legitimate struggle connected to that, but Mm -hmm. also to feed and to pour into one another so that you can maintain the But I think it always comes down to your why. You got to have a really good why. You got to stick to that why. You got to write that why down. And sometimes you'll have days where you're perfectly fine. You start hearing one of your girlfriends who's tripping off of some body who is not good for them, who they've given it up to, Mm -hmm. and now they're struggling to get out, and he's treating them crazy, but that thing is so good to them that they can't let it go. Mm -hmm. And then you just remember, like, see, and this is why I don't do it, because when I do it, I lose my mind, and I can't afford to be that person anymore. I didn't like her. Mm -hmm. I I lost a lot when I became her. My standards changed, and but that all comes down to your why. So That's good. Yes. That's good. So, okay, let me see what the delegations. Lynn Sweet says, so true. Imani says, love that sleepover idea, band together with other women. Yeah, because we need one another. Mm -hmm. These are real struggles and conversations, and sometimes people make it seem easy, but it's not always that easy. Sure, it's not. J&J, Twin Adventure, says, this helped further my why. I know that God is concerned about every part of me. B. White says, I appreciate your transparency. Come on now. Okay, so... Um, I think that anytime you're in a relationship with someone and you're trying to maintain your celibacy and your purity and that's something that they say that they can do, you know, that you've got to respect boundaries that they may need in order to maintain that, um, you know, that pursuit of celibacy and wholeness that you have going and I also think that you just have to have someone who has that same why as you do. You Mm want to be able to walk around in your yoga pants. And the saints not be tempted. You know what I'm saying? And that can be a struggle, especially when they come from Fabletics. (laughs) Did you see that? (laughs) 
Do y'all know what time it is? I can't. I can't. You can watch. It's about to happen. Okay. Um, Come on and bring it. Can you wear your Fabletics gear with your glutes high and lift it up? Okay. And he still mind his business and drink his water. (laughs) Listen. Fabletics creates clothing that's made to inspire physical activity in any type of setting, but not that setting, not that setting in any type of setting that is like Orange Theory or yoga. Okay, uh, Fabletics always aims to create fashionable on-trend workout clothing at an exceptional price point. All you have to do is take a super quick 60 second style quiz and you'll receive a personalized showroom of pieces specifically catered towards your own unique styles. Fabletics has a 45-day workout guarantee, so you can sweat it out for 45 days, and if it doesn't perform, return it for a full refund. Get two leggings for only $24 when you sign up for VIP. Just go to fabletics.com slash evolve to take advantage of this deal now. That's fabletics.com slash evolve to get two leggings for only $24. Also, free shipping on orders over $49. International shipping is available, and there is absolutely Absolutely no commitment when you purchase your first order. That's fabletics.com slash evolve. Now. Wow. You know, that reminds me. Um, I, I didn't put any workout clothes in my suitcase as I was packing for the cruise. I need to get some fabletics and put that in there. You need to get some fabletics so that we can put on our workout gear yeah. and not do anything at all. And not to do anything <laughs> at all. Them sneakers take up too much space in the suitcase. All right. They do take they up take too much space. Flip flops are easy. They require nothing. We'll okay. just take walks. We'll just take walks. Okay, so our okay. First of all, the delegation loves how I split those that was ads. Smooth, and girl. that was smooth. <laughs> Lady Kylie said you evolved on those ads. I had to. I had to make it work for me. <laughs> Fast Chai Hawkins says I'm wearing leggings right now. Come on, but are they Fabletics? That's the question you got to ask yourself. Okay, our next question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, she says help. So my husband and I recently got married prior to our marriage, about two years oh, prior. Hold on, you We went through up. a very you rough patch in our relationship. Can you hear me? You broke up in the beginning, so I didn't hear. I, okay, you're back. Okay, what, let's start over. Okay, help. So my husband and I recently got married. Prior to our marriage, about two years prior, we went through a very rough patch in our marriage, in our relationship. During that rough patch, we broke up and I was completely crushed. I went through some other transitions and growing pains throughout my 20s as well. I was heartbroken and just plain struggling. The struggle kept me close to God, though. I prayed and cried out to God a lot. I read the word and fasted and believed God. Now that I'm no longer in that season and God has delivered me, blessed me with my husband, my dream job, etc. I'm like, what now? What do you do when you have what you prayed for? Things feel real different spiritually. It's hard to describe, but I find myself not reading or praying as much because I feel so exhausted from all that I went through. I think I was so used to things being hard for me that I don't know how to be spiritually without the struggle. How do I mm. navigate through this new season? Mm. Yeah, I think that's what we were just talking about, that we're so used to defining our salvation on our spirituality by fight, 
mm-hmm. we can get confused when we aren't fighting for something. We don't know yeah. even how to talk to God during that time or we try to find something else to fight for. Um, but this is that time to dig into the word. This is that time to just get to know more about who God is and to discipline yourself in that way, to talk to him, to listen to him, um, to fill up because there will be another fight period in your life. Uh, yeah. So this is a time to be strengthened. What, what say ye, Pastor? I totally agree. I think part of the reason why I have a relationship with God the way that I do is I just came to this place where I didn't trust myself. Mm. I didn't trust my perspective on things. I didn't trust that I could have a plan for my life. And I because I'd been so wrong before about Mm. what I thought I needed and what I thought I wanted. And so my relationship with God really became dependent on me wanting to be filled with his spirit so that I could trust myself again, so that I could recognize areas of brokenness before they became a pattern of brokenness. Mm. And so I think that when we we come to God with humility when we come to God like things are going really well but God what area can I grow in what area do I still need your power in that he reveals things to us because at the end of the day like we're all works in progress so mm-hmm. even though you have your dream job you have your marriage God still has us here because there's still growth and development that we need to experience so that we can change the world and so you have graduated from one level but it's time for you to enter school in another area of your life and that's That's how we end up going from Mm -hmm. glory to glory to glory. And I think that another place that you can maybe really experience your relationship with God deepen is if you begin to serve other people. Because when you begin to serve other people, it stretches you in a way where you become the hands and feet of God. Maybe Mm. you were in a season where all you needed to do was receive from God, but now your tank is so full, it sounds like you have something to pour out. That's good. And that in your extra time... In your um, spare time to be able to pour out what you have received from God so that he can fill you back up. God, I'm at my capacity. I have received from you everything that I ever thought I could need. And so now I'm ready to pour it out. I'm ready to help another young woman who's maybe going through a season like I went through. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and help with the homeless, help domestic abuse survivors. Like, What can you do that allows you to be the hand and feet of God because you have received so much from him? And when you start looking at what God is doing in the lives of others, people or what other people are up against, you start to become so grateful that you could be his hands and feet and that he has pulled you out of something that Come your on. relationship from God with God goes from needing him to just pure worshiping Come him. On, yes. that God, it could have been me. And I'm so grateful that you have allowed me to pull someone through when I was like you, you've got to just press in. And I think an opportunity for you to press in is by activating what you have so graciously and generously received. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Delegation is clapping. Yes, that was a whole word. POV yes, says, indeed. Bible talk says, amen. Vessel mm-hmm. of honor says, so true. Mm-hmm. The champ creator says, praise God. And Charlene sent us the heart eyes emoji. Yeah, girl, I say roll up your sleeves and get to work in whatever capacity you can. Mm-hmm. And I bet you find a way to connect with God in a way that maybe you are not familiar with. Yep. Okay. Next question says, hey, sis, I know our season with the delegation is coming to an end, but I really need some help. I have the best relationship with my fiance's daughter. I've been in her life since she was very young and she's four now and she's literally my heart. 
There's only one challenge, my relationship with her mom. Since we've been together, we've had a lot of, we've had a host of tough situations in the beginning of our relationship, which led to the police being called. Mm. But I never responded back to her harmful actions in a negative way. I've always made it very clear that I am thankful for her role in her daughter's life and how I really want the best for her. My fiance has done such an amazing job at getting things to the point that they are now, some kind peace but we still aren't able to have conversations about anything I want to reach out to her to let her know that I'm on her side that I'd like to be on the same page since I'm around her daughter so much but I don't know that that will turn how that will turn out or if God's telling me that I can okay hold on so I so blah 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 I don't know how that will turn out or if she's ready to receive this. She has been dealing with a lot of emotional challenges, and I feel God is telling me that I can be the one to lead her and her fiancé to him. Last week, you talked about sending gifts and cards on special holidays to honor their presence in our bonus children's life, but I am worried about her response. Do you think I should send her a Just Because card with a letter about how much I want for us to all be able to come together for holidays and other events and how much I want for us to build a better relationship? How can I reach out to her without leaving any room for her to respond in a negative way? I know this was wordy, but thank you so much, sis. So... <laughs> I think Dr. Nita is going to let me answer this one. Because, yeah, well, okay, I'm going to start, but you're going to throw your towel in here because I don't have the degree. Um, uh, but you have the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so sis, here's the thing. Um, your fiance's child is four, so you have a really long time mm-hmm. of connecting with this woman and building a relationship. I think that you are eager to get to the end picture, but you have to take into account where that woman is. And if she is not in a place to just like sing kumbaya and sit by the fireplace, all you can do is respect that. Mm-hmm. All you can do is say like, listen, she's not there. I will be ready when she's there. I'm going to play my part. I'm going to continue to respect her and give her her boundaries but you don't want to come off as so eager that it's like annoying and irritating and now she's even more hateful and mean because you won't give her space you know and I know that your heart is in the right place and you have the right intentions so hear me clearly like I'm not judging what you want to do I feel like what you want to do has a lot of honor it has a lot of grace in it but if a person Mm -hmm. is not there they just aren't there and so it sounds like your fiance has made some headway which at the end of the day part of the reason why I've been able to facilitate a relationship with with my bonus children's mom is because my husband set a standard. I think that you should give him the opportunity to continue to set the standard, to set the precedent, to set the atmosphere for what it's going to be so that you can find out where you fit within that atmosphere. But I wouldn't force myself on, first of all, don't force yourself on anybody. You can be loving, you can keep your heart open, but don't force yourself on her. And it takes time. It sounds like he's just been able to create this rhythm with her. So let us all get used to dancing in this rhythm before introducing a new step. So that's my suggestion. But I don't have a degree. I'm going to send you one. I'm going to send you a master's degree, <laughs> master of family blending, because it, Come is, on, it is a skill. It has to be intentional. It has to be prayerful. It has to be honest. And that's everything that you just shared with her. And the patience part is where I think you really hit it on the head. I love her vision for what things could be, but yeah. it may not all be today. 
It may and, not all and be that's today. Okay. And that is and okay. That's okay. Mm-hmm. And God is, you said God gave you a vision that you could be the one that leads them to him. And I think that that's beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes God gives us a vision, but that vision is for an appointment. It may, it may tarry. Though the vision yes. tarries. So the vision tarry. <laughs> it will eventually and it might come tarry. to pass. It okay, may tarry. But that baby's four. See, the thing about the baby being four is that like, you don't realize how long you're going to be raising children Sis. when the child is Honey, Sis, that baby is four. You, you just think getting started. You got so much time to raise this child. I mean, years. And when people realize how long it's going to be, you like, I can't be hateful for this long. Right. So I'm going to have to suck it up. I'm going to have to get over it because I have to raise this child forever. And it costs right. too much, okay, to be hateful all of the time. So let her get to her place, okay? You said it. You all right, delegation. It. Let's see. Key to Proverbs 31 woman says she needs to slow down and allow God to have his way. Vashti Hawkins mm-hmm. says appointed time can be years. It sure can be. Storyteller says we also have to remember that we cannot control another person's response mm-hmm. for sure. Raising the Grady Bunch says been married for 10 years and still have issues. All you can do is pray and not let the kids see all the drama as much as possible. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, all right, delegation. Okay, this next question, I've read a long question earlier. It didn't work out for me. Um, I can try it again. We can just see what happens. We're going a okay. long question. Okay, I'm listening. I'm ready. Okay, so Big Sis, I have a question. I would like to submit to you in the delegation for the podcast. I was previously in a seven-year relationship that I have been out of for almost two years. Our relationship had its ups and downs. He cheated quite a few times, even got his ex-girlfriend pregnant in the very beginning, but the baby did not make it. Our relationship was great until ugly truths started to surface and he became verbally abusive, then physically abusive. There were two incidents that he physically beat me, blacked my eyes, busted my lips and nose and completely scared me to death. Fast forward two years later, he claims that he's changed. He has been to counseling, and so have I, and I'm in a great place now, and my life is so peaceful. It was extremely hard for me to get out of this relationship because I was afraid, but my counselor and your book gave me the extra push to step out in faith. I left him, moved to another city, and I am happy now. I haven't dated much since that last relationship, but not because I'm bitter or broken, but because I'm content with how things are. He wants to get back together, but I am very skeptical. But I do believe he's changed. Although I'm content, I do want a husband and children, and my biological clock is definitely ticking because I'm in my early 30s. Can I trust him again? I've spent some time with him here and there when I go back home, and he hasn't even visited me in the new city that I moved to, but I have created boundaries and only meet him in public places. He doesn't know where I live or work. What should I do? Should I try again because I know he's in a better place or just let it be? He has shown a great deal of effort in trying to get me back, but can I trust it? Help. Now, I'm definitely going to let Dr. Anita speak to this, but what I want to say first is I would not, I would not suggest that you go back. 
Um, I think one of the things that you said in this letter about um, he hasn't even visited me in the new city sounds like you guys are already kind of mingling in one another's orbits. And there's already some flags for you that make you feel like you're not being invested into as much as you want to be invested into and that things are only on his terms. And that to me sounds like a little bit of a pathology and pattern. Mm-hmm. Another thing you said is that you are completely content, which means that if you are completely content, then not only should this relationship just because you have history, um, maybe there's not room for any relationship right now because you seem completely content. I think that perhaps there's an opportunity here, and I know Dr. Nita is going to validate this for more therapy to take place so that you understand what content looks like for you, what you need in a relationship, what you don't need in a relationship. But I do think that Whenever you've been in a toxic relationship and you're able to pull away, that takes a lot of courage, it takes a lot of practice, and it takes a lot of strength. But you have to know that when that person is back in your orbit, that they're still a draw and that ability to have that connection if you haven't fully come to a place of understanding about how you got into that relationship and who you became as a result of being in that relationship. And that person may be drawing on that old version of you. I wish I could say it like the way that I experienced it, but the old version of you and the new version of you still exists. Mm -hmm. And we don't know which version of you he's talking to. And it sounds like the new version of you is saying that the... The new version of you is saying, well, he hasn't even come to this city. That seems like a red flag. But the old version of you is like, yeah, but I can see he really changed. And I think until you can fully step into that new version of you, that you can't fully trust your decision making when it comes to this person. Not a therapist turning it over to Dr. Anita. Uh, You hit it on the head. Which version of me is he is he talking to? That is phenomenal. Could not have said that any better. Um, I think that it it sounds like she's trying to keep a boundary with her city. She said he doesn't know where she lives. Um, Mm -hmm. Is she maybe doing that on purpose because she doesn't feel 100% confident that um, this is a safe place for her to be inside this relationship? I would want... First of all, I never want to say that nobody can change. The blood of Jesus does not have limits. Um, right. And so I think it's always important for us to, to say that because um, she may be thinking the same thing. But in terms of the changes that he's made, what kind of counseling are we talking about here? Because these are high level issues that are deep seated in people's ways of being. And I would be extremely reluctant to see her go back into this relationship. I would like to say absolutely not. Um, yeah. But sometimes that absolutely not is hard for people to hear. So I want to I do want to acknowledge that people it is possible for people to change. But these types of behaviors are extremely difficult to change. It's more than just being sorry. It's more than just wanting to do better. It's more than having a few conversations with a counselor. We're talking about deep character changes. And abuse takes so many forms. The physical can go out the window. The verbal can go out the window. But there'll be other manipulations, financial manipulations, emotional manipulations. I just think this is dangerous. They have proven they have a chemistry um, that 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 works to produce this mess. um, Because it does take two. It does. It Mm. does take two. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there will be some women who find that they are attracted to abusive men over and over again. And then some women who have never encountered an abusive man in their dating. So it does take two. And so that's that goes back to what you said about that old version. I would say I would advise against it. 
she's in a content place, I would continue to move forward. Even if that person has changed enough to have a successful relationship in the future, the fact that these boundaries have already been crossed in your relationship makes your relationship fertile ground for their regrowth. And that always concerns me. And so I would encourage you to move forward. And when you are encounter someone who um, reflects the higher version of yourself to which you have evolved, that that's a place for you to start. But once that yeah. hand has been once that hand has has broken the boundary to abuse you, once those words have spilled out, once the fidelity boundaries have been broken, it's very easy for those things to go to be broken again. And so mm. I just do not, I do not recommend that you get back into this relationship. I truly don't. Please don't let your biological clock be a question ever. Yeah. In any relationship. That sounds like pressure. Yeah. That sounds like pressure. Right. And I'm looking at my life and I do want to be married. But like, who do you want to be married to? to like, you yeah. just want to be married. But like, what kind of man do you want to be married to? Well, how have you all come together? What kind of foundation do mm-hmm. you want to have? Like, mm-hmm. I think you really got to dissect. You say you're content. What is making you content? What right. are the practices that you have implemented? And can that person come in and add to that contentment or are they going to take away from it? It's one thing to finally be in a safe place and it's another thing to dissect that safe place so that you can maintain that safe place one of the things that I knew when I married my husband are there were just some non-negotiables for me because I'd finally come to a place where I wasn't in this abusive relationship and I just wanted to have some things that I could count on like the the kid thing was a non-negotiable for me you got to take care of your if you have children you need to take care of your children because if you don't take care of your children you're not going to take care of me there are just some things that were important you you need to really know God. I don't mean go to church. I mean, like God can convict you that you can say something or do right. something and God can grab you before mm-hmm. I go off on you. And as for me personally, like I need quiet time. Like I need to be able to go into my bathroom and spend time by myself to discover who I am and come out fresh and renewed. And you got to respect that. And you just have to know what makes you content and how it's working. Because if that person comes in and disrupts your peace, it's not their fault that your peace is disrupted if you didn't maintain those boundaries that help you to maintain who you are. And I'm going to add this because I feel this in my spirit. So taking my therapist hat off and and putting my prophetic hat on, I really feel this in my spirit. I pray that this woman is listening. Mm. You are on the cusp of the next Mm. phase of your life. And the enemy is trying to sneak back in and distract you and pull you backwards. The city you moved to was the right city. The timing was right. Everything about Mm. it was ordained. And you have had enough time to be settled. And this is the enemy trying to pull you backwards, seal this door once Mm. and for all, because you are on the cusp of the next phase of your life. I feel that so strongly for her. I I got chills when you were saying that. And I I mean, I'm adding my amen and hallelujah to that word. I got chills. I think that that's right on target. One of the things that I had to do after going through my abusive, emotional abusive and all kind of relationship is um, I had an opportunity to date a similar person mm. and I had to close that door and I really felt like for me that that was God's way of me being able to stand in the truth of who I am now and not being pulled back mm-hmm. into that old version of myself and I do think that we have these opportunities when we are tempted with going back to certain situations to determine whether or not we are who we really say we are and Amen. if you are who you say you are you got to make some tough decisions i that's what I, I was preaching in demand i think and i said you have to decide who you're going to be when it hurts yes and 
saying goodbye may hurt. Being by yourself may hurt. But you got to decide who am I? Do I go back? Do I shrink? Or do I stand in who I'm supposed to be? Yeah. Amen. I am Eugene Evans says the enemy will always send a counterfeit before the authentic shows up. Redemption 5950 said, here's what you may not hear, may not be hearing. Replenish yourself. Energy and enemies are there. Your fight is internal. Try God. Mm. And Woman Evolve, our fan pages, y'all are really talking it out today, child. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. Okay, so listen, you got to receive that word. Our next question says, I am a married 40-year-old mother of three, ages 19, 9, and 1. Mm. Yep, God did that. (laughs) (laughs) That hurt me a little bit. I am writing Mm -hmm. for advice on how to set some boundaries with my middle daughter and prevent repeating the same problem with the one-year-old. She is brilliant, outspoken, and very, very talkative. I know God will use it for his glory, so I try to be very careful on how I deal with her excessive talking. My issue is that she is used to having full access to her dad and I. If the door is closed, unlocked, she comes on in. She lays in our bed, uses our bathroom instead of hers if i'm using the bathroom she talks through the door and sometimes it's just too much this is combined with the one-year-old sleeping in our bed and me still nursing her it's just becoming too much we have allowed this for eight years and just now trying to correct it how can i effectively set boundaries without making her feel rejected and please anyone send advice links podcasts books blogs regarding transitioning the one-year-old out of our bed to her own bed thanks and advice for and feeling too old for this. I'm going to say something. I'm going to let Dr. Needs say something. <laughs> and then it's going to forever be said. First mm. of all, listen, honey, and I got six kids in my house. The, the one-year-old has to get out of your bed. I think that the one-year-old being in your bed is also saying something to the nine-year-old. The nine-year-old is saying that this is our, it's, it's our room. It's our environment. And I know it's challenging, especially when you're nursing, because I've been there to have the baby in a separate room or even steps away because it, you're tired. It's the middle of the night. And it's like, listen, you know what? It's just easier to roll over and give that baby the boob. The thing is this, though, it's really hard to set boundaries, not only for your children, but within your marriage. And it may require a few extra steps. Maybe husband has to get more involved, but I think the baby needs to go into their bed. And I think a conversation with the nine-year-old, we have a 10-year-old in our house. She knocks on the door all of the time. She does not just come in, but she definitely knocks on the door. And one of the things we've had to tell her is like, when this door is closed, mommy and dad are having adult time. And when we're having adult time, whether it is three o'clock in the afternoon or 10 o'clock at night, when that door is closed, unless it's an emergency, Please limit the door knocking because we're people and we need to have our time. And she is really sensitive. Our 10 year old is really sensitive about people just walking into her room. So we try to share that with her. But I think you can have appropriate age level conversations with your nine year old to help her understand what it means when the door is closed. And just so she doesn't feel like, well, the one year old has a level of access that I don't have to that I don't have. I think that those boundaries have to be created for the one year old or you are going to end up repeating those same cycles. Oh, and, and uh, as it relates to the one-year-old getting in her own bed, I'm just going to say this. Um, my doctor told me when it was time for Ella to start sleeping through the night that if she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's crying, it doesn't mean that I have to go in there and give her a, a bottle. So that one-year-old can sleep in her bed tonight. 
says the Lord. I feel that prophetically for you. You can put that one-year-old in her bed tonight and she can cry out unto the Lord until he meets with her and he will give her sweet rest and she will wake up renewed in the Holy Ghost. Put her in her own bed. She will cry. She will be fine. You go outside and you sit on the porch and you get you some tea and you just let that baby cry until she goes to bed and she will get used to it. It won't take but three or four nights before she realizes that when I'm in this bed, they don't care <laughs> you need your children to know that you don't care <laughs> when be you care time. too much the kids need to know i don't care you knock you knocking on the door kenzie will knock on the door to ask me can she go to her bathroom i don't care i don't care which bathroom you go to just go that's all i care about is that you go you need to let these children know when you care and when you don't care you know what i care about i care about nosebleeds i care about broken <laughs> arms you know what i don't care about your snacks Honey, it ain't nothing but fruit snacks down there anyway. Fruit snack your life away until dinner is ready. I don't care. You need to let children know when you don't care. Dr. Nita, you are an actual therapist, and I'm just over here talking. <laughs> no, you you good. I think we do have to I create those, those boundaries. I don't and care. <laughs> yeah. If she's going to struggle with the crying, one of the um, as she makes the transition, one of the things I suggest is setting um, a timer so that when you start having a heart attack and realize it's only been five minutes that your child has been crying— it yeah. will seem like longer, but it hasn't been that long. So hold yourself together. I, I'm going to I love everything you said. So I'm going to have a question from another angle, which is she said she has a 19 year old, an eight year old and a one year old. 19, nine and one, 19, nine and one. And she's 40. Mm-hmm. OK, so as long as she had that first child younger, 21 years old, you have your first child. It doesn't sound like you did this with your first child because you're wondering how to get out of it. So it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like you did it. So she did something drastically different with these two children. I'm, I'm wondering what was she trying to accomplish by doing something so drastically different with these younger children? Is there somewhere you felt like you dropped the ball with your first child? Is there an experience Mm. different than your childhood that you're trying to create? Were you pushed out and you wanna be open? Were you cut off and you don't wanna cut? What are you trying to make up for? What are you trying to produce? Because until you confront that, and figure out um, where the boundaries will be with what you're trying to do and what actually is realistic to live with, it's going to be hard to change this. So there may be something going on here with, I'm trying to give my children an experience that I didn't have or do a better something different than I did with my older child. And if that's the case and there's something really emotionally important attached to this effort, the change will be hard unless you address whatever's emotionally important about why you've been doing it this way. So... As usual, I've tossed out the therapy idea. There may be some some old wounds from childhood, some things with my mother with my mother relationship that many adult women still have to work out to help them be um, healthier, more balanced, and effective mothers for their own children. So that's my big question: why this why this um, extreme, and and what is it that's attached to it emotionally for you, and what will you need to work out to be able to move out of it effectively? Hmm. And that's why you're a doctor. (laughs) Sarah's like, I just don't care. And that's what I would say. But it does seem like it's a big change from from her first child. And so I'm just wondering why. Why the big change? That's a good word. That's a good word, Dr. Anita. That's a really good word. Um, So let that be in your spirit. She says she's 40 and feeling too old for this. So I, I, hallelujah. 
I say put the baby in the bed. Get hey. you one of them video cameras so you can see the baby in the bed. It mm-hmm. set you a timer. Mm-hmm. And just watch how the Lord will change your life. That's what I say. Absolutely. And then I also say, you know what you can do while the mm-hmm. baby is crying? Ask God about the 19-year-old and the things. See? See how God see? Because when the baby moves into the bed, now you got time to process and do things. So Dr. Anita just summed that right on up. All right, praise the Lord. Let me tell you, Jamie Washington says, when Dr. Anita says she starts from the ground up, she meant that thing. Short and sweet Mm -hmm. says, this has been such a blessing. I love this space. Needed all of this. So glad you have it. Sister Sister Sims, I don't know what Simmons says, put her to bed. (laughs) They call me Bay says, you better send that nine-year-old in there to sing Baby Shark to the (laughs) night. I love the delegation. Beautifully broken 16 says, We need, I don't care about that t shirts and mugs for the delegate. Don't play with me. I'll have them up there next. I don't don't care care. about that. I don't care about that. That right there that you're talking about. about. We need water bottles. We need mugs. I hope someone from Woman Evolve is listening right now because that will be my only answer to things is just a sip of water or a sip of tea. I don't care about that. All of that that. you're talking. Okay. 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 This is our next question. And then we're going to have a snack and then we shutting this thing on down. Okay. Okay, it says, hi, Pastor SJR. I just want to start off by saying that I love you and I love everything that God is doing in your life. You truly are for the kingdom and have impacted my life. Thank you for that. She goes on to write, I am writing because I recently divorced my husband a year ago. We were together for a total of eight years, dating six, married two. We have a beautiful baby girl together despite the toxic and broken relationship we had together. I'm pretty much past all of that stuff that happened between us, so that's not why I'm writing. I have always struggled to fit in with groups of people and felt that God helped me to a high, held me to a higher standard than others, and I felt apart. I thought I found a group of people after my separation and through my divorce, but then a prophet told me that I need to obey God and allow him to work on me alone and reveal the cracks and broken places and deal with them. She told me these people are not my people, but if I trust God, he will in time send me my people. I had been feeling this all along, but did not want to accept it because I did not want to be alone. I finally surrendered that to God. And literally two weeks after that, he started stripping people away in the most unimaginable ways. Mm. And basically, I'm left with one friend, LOL, who is moving to another country next year. Ha, ha, ha. Mm. My question is, do you have any advice or suggestions? on how I can really make the most of this time alone with God. Have you ever had to go through this? I want to experience wholeness. Shout out to Pastor Teray for his amazing book. I was 16 when I met my ex-husband and I lost myself, but mm. I don't want to find myself. I want to find the woman God originally created me to be that was lost in the lies of the enemy. I want a relationship with God that is everything I need and more. I know God has big plans to use me, but he is telling me I need to do this to elevate the way he plans to use me. The alone time with God is hard though I'm not gonna lie I can't wait to hear your thoughts I'm gonna let you go first because last time you answered the question and started from the ground up all I said was I don't care <laughs> I don't care so about I'm that just build, I'm just gonna build from the ground that you create mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's okay to have that kind of relationship transition it sounds like she's in a you know a turnover period in her life and making space for new friendships to come in new styles of relationship because our relationship style 
is not always drastically different from our marriage to our friendships. And so mm. if she was in a toxic relationship, I mean, there should be an element of friendship in our marriage, right? So if she was in a toxic marriage, um, it's possible that her relationship style is has lent to some friendships that weren't as healthy as they needed to be. And, and God is making some moves there. I um, mean, as she grows into being, being content alone with the Lord, um, she may be surprised that he will send new friends. So I think it doesn't sound like she's in a bad position, but it sounds like she's in an emotionally uncomfortable position because she's naturally relational. Mm. And so it is very uncomfortable hurt for her to not be connected to someone right now. And some people are built relationally in ways that other people aren't. Some people are so naturally relational that their lives feel less complete when they're not in a relationship. And that may never 100% go away, but it's okay to learn to manage it, to recognize it, and to wait on God to fill that space again with people who are good. Go ahead. Give them the heart. Give her the, the, the Sarah version of that. <laughs> I don't care about that. <laughs> you don't care about that. Girl, you need to not care about people walking out your life and let just them let them go. walk. I need Medea. When people walk out of your life, you got to let them walk. Open the door um, for them. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I totally agree with everything you said. I always tell women, because one of the things, like when you make these um, necessary relationship transitions, it's mm-hmm. like, what do I do with myself? And something that I always say is like, distract yourself with yourself. So like, mm-hmm. we always have this list of like things that we want to do mm-hmm. or a language we want to learn, a trip we want to take. And we just put it on the back burner. But I think when we have these alone times, those are the times for us to discover the dimensions of ourselves, for mm-hmm. us to take a cooking class, for us to finally get our health together, for us to learn that other language. And I think mm-hmm. that this is an opportunity for you to really know and understand who you are. And what I found in my journey is I was so distracted by that process of discovering who mm-hmm. I am and like working out and learning that I could do things that I never thought that I could do, that I started really falling deeper in love with myself and asking God, well, what else did you put down on the inside of Mm -hmm. me? So this notion of like distracting yourself with yourself and you got to be able to spend time with yourself, unlimited time with yourself and not feel bored with who you are. And Mm -hmm. I think if you're bored with who you are, you haven't discovered the dimensions of yourself because you should be able to spend time with you. And uh, so, yeah, that's what I say. Let's see what the delegation says. Let's see. Uh, Carpos Develop says it hurts and you will feel hopeless at times, but you will move past it. Trust God and find your groove back. They're trying to help you get your groove back, Come on, Stella. Come on, Stella. Uh, Come on, Stella. (laughs) Miss Kimmy J says, sounds like the friend is being removed because that's aiding and enabling the feeling. God has to get her secluded to have her undivided attention one-on-one with Zacardi Cortez. Um, let me see some of these usernames. Seraphine mm-hmm. says, practice a gift that you kept a secret. Practice the gift that you kept a mm-hmm. secret. That must be a word for something. Do you have a secret gift? We want to know about it. Mm-hmm. Infinitely Me 77 says, distracting myself with myself is definitely an area of growth for me. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that idea of distracting yourself with yourself? I love that idea. I do. And, and like you said, we always have this list of other things to do. Sometimes we really aren't tuned in to who we are, what we like, what moves us, especially if we've been pouring into relationships. I absolutely love it. Read those books that you've been that's been you bought and haven't yes. read. Write in those journals that you bought and are blank. You know, it really is an opportunity to um, to become more of who you are. So I love that. Distract yourself with yourself. I love it. 
I do too. And we have some friends that are going to help you with that distracting yourself <laughs> with yourself. <laughs> who are and who are those friends, Pastor Sarah? Oh, it's Skillshare. I'm so glad. Thank you for asking, Dr. Anita. Yeah. That was so kind of you to ask me about my friends. Who are so these we friends? have friends over at Skillshare and like seriously, when I, have you ever heard of Skillshare? I before? have not. Please tell me who Skillshare is. Let me tell you how Skillshare is about to change your life. Okay, okay so Skillshare, it can help you develop any skill you can think of. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of amazing classes covering dozens of creative and entrepreneurial Mm. skills. You can take classes in everything from photography and creative writing to design, productivity, and more. So whether you're returning to a longtime passion project, challenging yourself to get outside your comfort zone, or simply exploring something new, Skillshare has classes for you. I personally can't wait to use the technique that I learned from Skillshare. It's called Instagram-worthy photography class while we're on the cruise. Because sometimes Ah. my Instagram pictures don't be what they need to be, especially on my iPhone. So Skillshare is something that I also think a lot of times we're like, we need to go back to school. We need to enroll in classes. But maybe there's just a particular skill that we need to learn and Skillshare is there for you. What I love so much is that they are partnering with us to help our listeners. You will never believe this special Skillshare is offering Woman Evolved listener two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for wow. free. Two months. That's good two stuff. Mu- in two months, you can learn a whole skill. And it's okay. not one of those things where you can only take a couple classes. Literally, you can take unlimited classes. There's thousands of options. The only thing you have to do is go to Skillshare.com slash evolve. Again, that is Skillshare.com slash evolve to start your two free months now. Skillshare.com slash evolve and get started on learning your skill today. So now you have no excuse for distracting yourself with yourself. You have two months of learning any skill that you want to learn and it is unlimited. So that's what's up. That's Skillshare. All right, I'm gonna check out that Instagram photo um, questions. I'm gonna try that too. We're because gonna take people's some bomb Instagram pictures stuff on the cruise. Be out here. No, honestly, truly, okay. All right, we gonna do it. Yes. We gonna do it. Speaking of the cruise, Dr. Need and I are going on the Faith and Family Cruise we that are. my father is hosting. We will be there Saturday in that thing like swimwear, baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to do a podcast from there. Core will be involved. Awesome. I'm going to drag Dr. Anita from her cabin. She's <laughs> going to be there. And we are just going to have all of the times. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be the last live podcast that we have. But I'm trying to work with my team about making sure that we can stay connected even when we are in our off season. But Dr. Nita, I wanted to know if you would leave us with a snack today because oh, I man. asked you to be on here to to just share. And you're already in the flow prophetically, so mm. just tap back in. Mm, 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 mm. What I would like to leave the delegation with today. I think a major theme here has been to continue to move forward. Mm. Continue to move forward. Truly embody what it means to evolve. Don't let relationships from your past pull you backwards. Don't let lower versions of yourself pull you down. Don't question what you know. And make sure you don't have too many voices in your life. You know, we got dreams and visions, prophetic words, one, you know, all of those things are important, but make sure that things are resonating with your spirit. If you have a sense of confusion about what's happening, it's time to be still and to be quiet. Make sure that you don't find yourself falling backwards in a cloud of confusion. But I just, that's what I hear in my spirit. Keep moving forward. Go back, yeah. you know, that degree that you didn't finish that's nagging you, register for a class. Yeah. Get a new skill. 
Look in that job classified list again. Look for that job that you've been dreaming about that you kind of gave up on. Work towards that promotion. Start writing that book. Start working out. Change your, your wardrobe. Just do something to move forward. Because we can get stagnant in life. And, and I feel like a lot of women tonight talked about whether they want to go back or go forward. Keep going forward. Mm. Keep going forward. Yeah. yeah. He has more for us. I love that. I'm going to keep going forward. I see my friend Holly Furtick. Hey, Holly. Um, We are going to keep going forward here at Woman Evolve. Like I said, this is our last live podcast, but I want to make sure that we stay connected in so many ways. I love this movement. I love what we're doing for one another. I love the transparency, the vulnerability, but most importantly, I love the growth. And so I love you guys. This may be our last time on Facebook Live for a while, but you know, you can find me on the Instagram, on the Facebook. This podcast, for those of you watching, on Instagram Live who aren't with us all the time will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. So you can find all of the amazing bombs that Dr. Anita dropped here uh, on our podcast. It is called Woman Evolve. Come on, let's, I think, I want them to insert a round of applause for Dr. Anita on this podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. I love spending time with the delegation and with you, my girl, my friend. It's always good to hang out with you. So thanks. If for you really me. let me, you'll pray for me. Pray for our mental health, Doctor Anita. We yes. need help. Yes, okay? we we all do. We all do. So we're closing in prayer. Yes. Father God, we just thank you. I thank you for every woman that's listening to this prayer, Lord God, that it will go directly into her heart. Even as we're coming into the end of 2019, Father God, coming into a holiday season, so many things are on our mind about what's coming next. But Father God, today I just ask you to give us supernatural levels of trust in you about what is Mm. coming next. Let us be so convinced of your good plans for us that fear is dissolved, that anxiety is dissolved, Father God, and that our one is replaced with anticipation about what you're about to do next. I speak peace to their hearts. I speak peace to their minds. I speak answers to their questions. I speak rest to them in their beds in the mighty name of Jesus. And Father God, if there's a woman listening who knows that something's going on inside of her that's a little bit more than normal, I thank you that there's a therapist out there for her, that there's a counseling opportunity out there for her. And I thank you that she's brave enough to make that move, Father God, that she can be well, body, soul, and and spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against the fear that so often keeps us from getting the help that we need, knowing that there is more victory and more peace on the other side. Father God, help us as mothers, as daughters, as sisters, as friends, Father God, that we would love on and take care of one another in ways that lift each other up. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. We love you, Woman Evolve, and the delegation. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.